0: This is Brojo Online, Masculinity, Confidence, and Integrity, with Dan Munro. Alrighty everyone, welcome back to Brojo Online, with me Daniel Munro, and finally, a female guest, Katya Morozova, who is a dating and relationship coach for men, specifically helping them to find their ideal partner and love and all that sort of good stuff. And I'm excited to talk to her. She is referred to me by Joe Ducard, who I've had on the show before. And she's good friends with Mike Maker Pinlack, who's also been on the show. So we've got a good little inner circle group building up here. Catch your welcome along.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Happy mm-hmm.
0: to be here. Very good. So we're as we're talking about uh, before we got on the call properly, we're gonna be diving into your story a bit and I've I've just started to see a, a small wave of of female coaches who are helping guys, which I think is is awesome. It's just such a good idea. And tell me a little bit about the kind of work that you're doing and and, and how it is that you're helping
1: guys. Yeah. So. I like to say that my work comes in two parts. So I help people attract the right person and then I help them build a solid foundation for for lasting love. And so I think that's what differentiates my work from a lot of, let's say the men's PUA or men's self-development work with women is that usually people don't come to me when they're in a space of I don't want to say exploration because I think exploration is necessary to finding the right person, but they're, they are in a place where maybe they've dated a lot, um, dated a decent amount. Um, maybe they've gone through a divorce uh, or have had a very long dry spell after a relationship ended poorly. And so they're usually coming to me when they're in a place where um, they're ready, like they're ready to find their their partner. They know that there's something bigger available to them in relationship and they know that they've been missing some kind of piece of the puzzle. So, so yeah, that's, that's a big piece of my work. And I love working with people who can see the, are starting to, and can see the value of partnership in their life. And so when I work with people, I don't, mm, I don't, I don't tout the oh, great, you have a girlfriend now, like we're done here, or this is the, this is the, you know, kind of the, the climax, <laughs> the the, the honey pot, so to speak, right, of our work together. I think that when people find a partner, it's actually like the real work really begins. So I want people to walk away from my work, feeling like they're set up for life in a relationship. Um, not just cool, I have a a cute new girlfriend which is great which is awesome but there's just there's more to it for me
0: you know i'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that i think there's a huge huge niche of, of dating coaches out there and they tend to stop at like once you're having you know uh shall we say success you know you're you're attracting people and and it feels like less of a deal for you they're kind of like well good luck with that and you're on your own and, and a lot of them, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with a lot of them. I, I love them, but they do struggle with relationships. They can do the dating bit, but, you know, making something last and, and I use the word partner quite carefully. I noticed, you know, in that partnership, um, I realized that in my current relationship that what's helped me with dating was phase one and now i'm in a partnership with someone which is actually really close to like a business partnership almost you know we're planning a future together and everything we've got to maintain communication when the emotions go up and down so i'm so glad Mm -hmm. to see someone who doesn't give up on someone once they're doing well realizes they're just beginning it's really cool
1: yeah yeah it's really interesting too to see there's there's always like a percentage of people who less so now that I've given this, this second chapter importance and in for myself too, and that people will either fall off, you know, they'll be like, okay, I'm good, I'm done, you know, or they'll see something more for themselves. Hmm. But it's not the, it's not the easiest thing to see. You know, it's very frightening actually. (laughs) Like it's, it's scary to think that, oh, okay, this isn't the end. This is actually the beginning. You know, I had a client recently who completed, we completed our work together and he was my most senior client. He was 72. And it was really interesting. At the very beginning of our work, he said, you know, the reason that I'm doing this right now is because I'm very present to my mortality. And Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, damn, that is so, so true. But it's so interesting that, like, that's how long it takes for most people to realize that, hey, this is actually what's important. And I've been missing this my entire life, you know? So it really takes something for people to wake up to that. Like, hey, this actually is the journey. Mm. Like, relationship could actually be the journey. And what if relationship is, for some, the meaning of life, right? Like, what if that's the richness of, of life and you can find that in communion with another person?
0: That's epic. And, you know, there's, there's a study, there's a TED talk about the longest study on happiness and it just came to a clear conclusion that if you've got a great partner, you live longer and you have a higher quality of life and it's just really like hidden above any other factor and I like to tell people, look, you can be confident, have a good life on your own, and um, there are other ways to have relationships and so on. But having a partner does seem to be the best, essentially. And it's yeah, I love that that kind of like if you're actually aware that you're going to die some at some point, and it's coming up, you know, what's important to you becomes really obvious. So this is this is huge. I think this is it's huge that you're helping guys with this. I get emails every week from Relationships that started great and then just crashed and burned very slowly over time. With both, it's it's irreparable really because now they they resent each other so much that they've just left it too long. The first three months was this honeymoon, and then somebody, one of them, plateaued um, and thought the work was over. So it's it's yeah, it's so great that you're focusing on that. Let's let's rewind the clock a little bit. We're going to come and t- I've got all sorts of questions about what you come up with, uh, come up against in your work, and the kind of barriers that guys face. But I want to know about you and where this all started. I know Hollywood <laughs> exclusive. So
1: it's funny because it makes me like more nervous to talk about me than to talk about them. But that's cool.
0: Exactly. (laughs) That's why I love my job. I just love making people feel really uncomfortable.
1: Great. Um, Awesome.
0: (laughs) You know, and it's important because, you know, I know as a coach that in a really cheesy way, we get called to this kind of work. And it usually comes from our own experience and our own struggles. And we want to help people avoid that ourselves and so on. So tell us a little bit about the backstory that's, that's led up to this work in particular for you.
1: Yeah, so like I said, I was taking notes on some of the questions <laughs> that you asked me before this interview, and yeah. so I arrived at two very specific. You asked the question about um, like the noticeable differences, right, mm. be- between now and and back then, and I think what sparked the journey initially were two things, which was first a, a lack of purpose in my life um, when I was in my early 20s I had just moved to Los Angeles from Austin I decided I was gonna be a, a famous in the film industry and I was gonna go be like this rock star director and I wanted fame that was like a big driving thing for me mm. but it was it was hollow you know like there was nothing It was just like oh I want attention you know mm. and uh as I Started to kind of awaken to that. I realized that oh, I'm I'm actually searching for meaning. I'm searching for for purpose. I don't know what my purpose is, but somehow I had decided or arrived at that I needed a purpose. That for some reason this was important. So that was the 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 driving force was this lack of purpose, and uh, I started to, I you know I had read self development books up until you know my early. 20s but i had never done anything more than that you know i never had a coach or a therapist or anything like that so i my boyfriend at the time introduced me to uh the landmark forum uh self development workshop and uh i had never done anything like that and when i did it it just like blew like i blew a gasket i was was just like what is this this is i mean it, it altered my world in the course of a weekend and shifted my paradigm a lot in the realm of relationships because I didn't realize how much I was still holding on to a lot of pain from the past. When I was very young, like from 17 to 20, I was in a relationship with a much older man and the relationship ended in physical violence. And I walked away from that relationship really feeling like a a, a victim. Hmm. And that victimhood really mm, it didn't help, (laughs) like, it didn't help me attract better partners, it didn't, it didn't help transform my life, it, it, it isolated me, it further pushed me kind of inwards, really made me miserable, and I actually started to attract only emotionally unavailable men, because that's what was safe, you know, was to have partners, or pseudo-partners, that, that I could kind of It was safe, but there was, there was no emotional closeness because this person who had violated me physically, I was very close with him. Mm. And it wasn't until I did landmark that I started to kind of connect the dots of, Oh, here's this, this choice that you made years ago about what's safe and what a relationship can, a relationship can only look like this and be safe at the same time. Mm. So it, it wasn't, until I started really seeing that I had a lot of limiting beliefs around how I was viewing relationships, how I was viewing myself and the concrete things that I had said to myself in a moment of pain, deep pain, you know, um, that had started to really move me in a certain direction in life. So that was the beginning of, of my of. My journey and it it really awoke me to the fact that I could I could help people that my my story was Valuable, you know and that there was because because when I Freed myself of that everything changed and it changed very quickly You know, I started to attract different people into my life. I I started to attract different friendships into my life you know that happened very very rapidly so So now, you know, when I see people, like a big part of my my work is is who are you attracting into your life? Like when you go when you start the journey of I want to have a life partner, then you you really have to look at who you are right now and who you've been attracting thus far and who you're going to continue to attract um, until you start to until you shift something within.
0: Yeah, that that is the story for for most people struggling in relationships is, you know, very early uh, moment of pain when we're quite naive and unwise and just getting into things. Very, very concrete beliefs designed to protect us from that repeating. And then those beliefs actually working in reverse and just finding less and less healthy people or bringing no one into our life at all, you know, and... and, Yeah, I've, I've got the solid theory that, you know, the best coaches come from the worst kind of pain and because they know what it's like to be in there. They have full compassion, but also no pity. It's kind of like you got yourself into this, you can get yourself out. You, you, you mentioned that, that the change happened for you very quickly. And obviously, you know, the, the Landmark Forum would have been a, a catalyst for that and, you know, maybe all the books you'd read have been storing up waiting to kind of make sense or something. I mean, what really contributed, you know, after that weekend, as you mentioned, what contributed from what you were doing to make that change happen so quickly?
1: A big part of it was I actually, I talked to, so in Landmark, you do, um you do a lot of work where you actually have the conversations with, with, let's say people who wronged you or you're repairing certain relationships. And so, um, I had a conversation with my, my ex boyfriend from years ago and we hadn't talked in like a decade and I forgave him for what he had done. And it was almost like he was waiting for that. Now that sounds kind of like a miracle conversation. And, and I'm not suggesting that everyone should go and do that, but that like putting something into action which is also a big part of my work with people is transformation doesn't happen in here in a bubble in like in a, a an insight or realization like insights and realizations are amazing but you have to put it out on the court you have to start applying what it is that you're you're learning or it's just a um, mental masturbation let's mm-hmm. call it that and so in this particular technology it was all about bridging when I say technology, I say, I mean like transformational technology. Um, it was all about bridging relationships. So taking the action and seeing that this person was in, in this case was deeply wounded by the fact that he had done what he had done to me, you know, and that it had impacted him for just as long as it, it, it had impacted me was a very, freeing experience to just kind of commune with this human who maybe he didn't deserve that. Maybe he didn't deserve this conversation. I don't know. A lot of people would, might, might say that he didn't, but it was a brave conversation for me. It was meaningful for me and um, being able to forgive him really didn't have that much to do with him. It had everything to do with me. I was the one that was still hurting and holding on to this resentment for years. Another thing that came out of it was also a really impactful conversation with my stepfather, who him and I had, you know, when I moved to Los Angeles, we had a an argument that made me basically, I, I stopped talking to him after this argument. I don't know if we would have a relationship today if I hadn't done that work and then Come back around to this conversation with him, and also, you know, bridged this chas, you know, chasm in, in our relationship too. So there's there was something for me about um, not just like, oh, okay, here's this illuminating thought. It was okay. What's the action that I can take to go and 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 act on what I discovered? how can I put this into practice? So, so I think that's, that contributed to it being so rapid Mm. um, is that I put it into action immediately. So, and that's what I do with my clients, you know, with, with my clients, we, we don't just, I'm not a therapist, you know, I'm a coach. And so when I, when we talk about something, I'll ask them to put it into action with their girlfriend, with some woman that they're dating with, their wife, if they're married, what is the, the action, the brave action that you can take this week that's that's going to prove to yourself that what you just discovered is real.
0: It's always the bane of the the self-development enthusiast. Uh, you know, I call it the information trap. They just absorb and absorb and absorb them because they don't do anything, it actually just overcomplicates their mind. It's full of potential ideas. You do one thing and you're like, oh my God, there's a new reality. Now it all clicks into place and makes sense. I know what the next thing is. So those were really brave confrontations uh, for you to have. I mean, you kind of went straight to the source. You know, I, I have some people who are so like I was so petrified of confrontation. They have to start with just, you know, returning a meal at a restaurant or something, you know, and they just have to build up from there. And you went straight back to yeah. like the, the guy who's been haunting you, you know, for 15 yeah. years. Interesting. I mean, in a sense, I think there's, it could go either way. That guy can either be a psychopath who's going to have no remorse and be fine with it. Or he's going to be like, I used to work with guys like that a lot uh, when I was in criminal uh, corrections. And most of them, Yeah, most of them were devastated by what they had done. You know, they didn't ever imagine that they'd become that guy and they can't undo it. Um, To have their victim actually call them and say, you know, I'm moving on would be, actually help prevent them ever doing it again, ironically. So, yeah, I I get what you're saying. Some people say he doesn't deserve it, but it wasn't for him. It's you deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, You deserve to have it.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I think that, you know, most people, I'm a big believer, like I love people, you know, Mm -hmm. so I'm a big believer that most people are good and they make shitty choices. You know, they make bad, poor decisions. And they don't have the tools that they, they need to make better ones, you know? And so I think it's just a much more empowering view for everyone to imagine that, that there's good people in the world and there's good people who make bad, bad decisions, you know? Like, that's just a, a brighter world to live in, you know? If, if you... We could go a little bit deeper into this, you know? But, like, if you view like some of the deepest wounds that people have are with their parents, you know? And so if you're still a 30 something, 40 something, 50 something adult that thinks that your parents at one point antagonized you and they were purposely trying to do that, it's not a friendly world to live in, mm. you know? And it's like, I have conversations with, with friends who still have that mindset and I'm like, God, that sucks. That sucks that you you think that your parents are really out to get you. Now, I know there's a percentage of parents that have made really shitty choices with their children. You know, there's people who molested and violated their children. But for the majority, that's not the case. Mm. You know, for the majority, people, it's like a there's still lives a wounded five-year-old who, you know, Um, mom reprimanded you really harshly. And that moment was so huge, so pivotal in your life that it colored everything for years to come, you know, and it's really powerful to actually look back and, and reframe, reframe that moment because the world gets brighter when you can, you know, when you can forgive the world gets brighter when you can say, my therapist said this wonderful thing to me recently. She said, what if you could see things differently? Just like what if you could imagine that it, it ain't necessarily so mm. like that your view that you've been holding onto so tightly for so long, maybe it's not exactly as you remember it, you know, and even making that tiny shift is, uh, can transform your entire life.
0: I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, the things we cling to and we cling to them so fervently, so desperately, and we've never once questioned how accurate they are. And it's, you know, let's say I I do have a parent that did something really nasty to me. The memory will also include my assumptions about why they did it. And it will mix up with a bit of exaggeration or combine some events in the past into one and so on. But the, the why they did it will be a huge factor in the belief, and yet it's completely fictional. I completely made it up. I said, you know, she did it because she's trying to control me. So like, actually, that might have been her best attempt at loving. It might have been the, the best she had with the tools she had at the time. You know, that was kind of like, it's you know, I, I see this with people with regret. They look back on the past and they think oh, I should have done this and I could have done that. And say, like, no, you you couldn't have. You can you know that now. But back then, that was your best possible attempt with the tools you had, the brain you had, everything. That was you 100% knocking it out of the park. And if that was a terrible piece of behavior, that's all all you had to play at the time. And anyone who's mistreated us, it's the same for them. That's the best they could think of doing. It doesn't mean it's the best they're capable of in the future either. But that's huge because you're talking about something that comes up we know as coaches all the time, the one thing that defines the difference between someone who can and someone who can't be coached, are they still in that victimhood or can they get out of it? And the action thing I find is actually quite related to it. So somebody who really is ready to get out of victimhood, they won't just say the words uh, to themselves. They'll go do something. They'll take a risk. When that happens, of course it requires courage. Like, how did you muster up the courage to make that phone call to that guy? How are you able to do that?
1: Um, that's a good question. I honestly have no idea. <laughs> um, wow. Well, that was part of the assignment is mm. my best answer is that that's what we were asked to do. So I think if I was being just really honest because I don't have a good answer is I just I just trusted that picking up the phone might do something you know might might change something because I couldn't tell you what I was what I had realized that would make me you know call him but uh it was definitely maybe the the potential of being liberated in the conversation you know that of of proving myself
0: wrong. Well, that's something there. There's actually a, two, a couple of elements in that. One is, of course, the assignment nature. Like I find sometimes both having received coaching and being a coach, sometimes yeah. you say, look, just give me something to do and I'll go do it because I'm just have faith in this process. But it also sounds like you had a very strong reason why, which was that potential liberation, you know, that, uh, yeah, I I always assume that people do the right things for their values and you know the value of freedom and moving on or whatever you want to call it
1: so, that's a big one for me yeah freedom is definitely a core value for me and also from with my my work with people because recently i've i've been working with a client for some time and he has reached this point where i i, I can't remember exactly what we were talking about but he was sharing with me a lot of wins that were happening in his life and I was pushing him to tell me what was really going on, you know? And he said, well, I'm finding my voice. And so, and I'm trusting myself and trusting the choices that I'm making. And, and Oh God, it's just, it's, it's, it's so interesting how many people, I mean including myself, like we don't we don't listen to ourselves. We're not even in tune with the with the voice within that there is a voice within that's telling us which way to go. And so when I can help someone find that guy within, you know, mm it's, it's the most powerful thing that in my book that you could possibly ever do, because then you don't need anything. You know, you can be guided by you, by what's within. And in my book, you, you can't really go wrong when you, when you get to that point, when you, if you're a good person, which I, again, I think most people are, when you recognize that there's a voice that's trying to tell you the direction to go, then like you've got it made. You can have the most amazing relationship. You can have the most amazing career because you're being true to yourself. And so when you're true to yourself, like a lot of brilliant things come out of that relationships just kind of start to work when you're operating from there instead of people pleasing or hiding or, I mean, there's, there's a a lot of other ways that you can be in relationship.
0: (laughs) I think we'll segue into those shortly because I'm keen to, yeah. hear, you know, your experiences, what you, in in very blatant terms, what you see guys doing wrong. But I want to, you know, you're speaking my language when you're talking about being true to yourself. And, you know, in my words, I'd say living by your core values and, and that voice within is essentially values guiding you on what the right thing to do is based on what you believe in. Uh, as opposed to what everyone else wants you to do or what feels comfortable or what's going to get their quick win or whatever and you know it, it's it's very heartwarming for me to see other people guiding people with that because I tried everything else and nothing's more satisfying than that but you've also identified the, the stark reality of this is it might mean making a terrifying phone call it might mean letting go of a grudge and going and starting the conversation with someone who's also holding a grudge or, or the, like the things that you've done that would have been emotionally uncomfortable to do and would have come with the risk of all sorts of further uncomfortable things to come. But you did them anyway because it was the right thing for you to do for you. You know, and that's the, the phrase be yourself sounds really nice, but you got to earn it. You know, there's, there's things you are going to have to do that are far less comfortable than what you've been doing. But far more rewarding in the long term is the way I usually see it. And what I love about your example, like being betrayed by this guy essentially, and having your whole world around men rocked by this awful behaviour, you know, to then pick up the phone and call him—that's the kind of that's the thing you got to do to get in touch with that voice, right? And it's it's hard, but it's just worth doing. I think you know, it's easier to say on the other side of those calls, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm also, how do I say this? I'm a big believer that I don't know how everyone else is like it within, but when, when I I guess I've gotten to a place in my life where I I don't know if it's always been like this, I can't remember, but when something is off for me, it will, it won't go away. (laughs) Like Mm. it's going to eat away at me persistently until I deal with it. And so it's actually in my best interest to just fucking deal with it, you know, Mm -hmm. because then it actually is taking away from my quality of life. So now I'm at a place where if, if at any point I'm out of alignment, I won't stop thinking about it. Like I can't almost live with myself until I set this thing straight, you know, whatever it is. And so and often it'll it'll be something in the realm of 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 relationship you know that will kind of keep surfacing and and uh until i go to work on it you know so i think that once you open the door to getting in tune with your voice it is a double edged sword because on the other side of it it's going to tell you things that scare the shit out of you all the time and then you have a choice you can start to you can continue to be true to it you know or you can go against it but the repercussions of going against it once you've been in alignment for some time are really detrimental mm. you know <laughs> so um i guess there's a part of me that feels like i don't really have a choice anymore
0: <laughs> i i know exactly what you mean like I I I did a speech on uh, sort of seminar thing on honesty the other night, and I talked about honesty being kind of like a spade. Like once you start digging, you just have to keep digging because you you can't stop once that roll it will eat you alive. Like I lived dishonestly for so long, and it became Mm -hmm. quite easy to do, and then there was this very difficult struggle to get into honesty. But now once I'm there, like the tiniest white lie will chew me alive. Like I just can't I can't let it sit. I have to go deal with it and that's actually an easier position to live in than I've ever been in before. I'm like, my values just yell at me now. Whereas before they're like a quiet whisper lost in the noise of all the other voices, but because they've seen, you know, like you said, you, you make that phone call and your brain goes, Oh, this is a much better way of dealing with stuff, you know, like this, just get it done. Like, yes. And it starts looking for those other opportunities to just, you know, free yourself up so you can be here and now and enjoy life rather than just a past that just like it's like dragging it behind you, you know. Let's let's uh, transition. I want to hear about your work, okay. and I'm thinking of all the the guys in my audience who struggle with dating, and particularly once a few dates have passed, what happens next, and, and how this becomes something that can last and be meaningful, and not end up being a sitcom of you know nagging and no sex and all the stuff that a lot of relationships turn into. Your opinion. From what you've seen in your clients and everything, what are the key kind of mistakes or poor behaviors or whatever it is that guys are bringing into either the dating or the relationship realm that they may not realize that they're doing?
1: Okay. I mean, there's a lot. So (laughs) (laughs) let me think. I mean, I guess people pleasing would be the, the biggest one Uh, I work with guys who are on the opposite spectrum of, you know, alpha egotistical macho men. I don't Mm -hmm. really work with guys like that. I work with guys who are actually caretakers. Mm -hmm. You know, they're actually very successful men, but they happen to have this also caretaking quality about them. And it's a wonderful quality to have. And it's, one of those things that needs to be earned by another human being especially a woman so i see guys you know caretaking early on when someone hasn't earned that that from them you know and, and that can show up in a lot of different ways like from the tiniest things like you know what do you want to do instead of mm-hmm. this is what i want to do i find that men who are having to be caretakers they feel like they They have a lack of needs, you know, like, like, no, you actually have needs and it's really useful for you to communicate those needs Mm. because your needs, your vocalization of your needs is going to set up the entire relationship and it's not going to be a relationship that you want to be in down the road if you don't have needs because you're going to train this person that you don't. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the biggest mistakes, I guess, is, is care, you know, people pleasing, pretending that you don't have needs, you know, letting, letting the woman just kind of lead, I guess, lead the, I know that that term leading is thrown around a lot in the, in the dating space for men, but yeah, yeah. Give it, I mean, it can be said in a, in a numerous amount of ways, like giving your power away maybe I should really like get into what that looks like. Um,
0: I think that's best. Like guys can hear all these terms, but they, what really shocks guys I find is when they hear the behavior examples, the one you just said before, like, what do you want to do? <laughs> How many guys say that every day around the world? Uh, even though deep down there's something they want to do, but they don't express that. They ask, what do you want to do? And it's just a little thing that's very, very significant. It's absolutely in the category of caretaking or people-pleasing. What are some of the other things that guys do commonly in that category?
1: Yes. So, I mean, okay, I'll give examples from my own dating life because that's just the easiest thing. But recently I was – so I'm single, I'm dating, and I had a conversation with this guy and (sighs) – I was like, you you figure out the date thing and I'll be there. And I'm pretty sure I even like said that to him. I was very direct about it. And then he still sent me like a list of options. And I'm just like, I need you to make a choice. Like it is very sexy for you to make a choice. And even if it's the wrong choice, I'm going to be fine with it. Any woman who has any compassion, any like – kindness in her heart, someone that you would actually want to date is gonna be fine with you making mistakes, you know? So even if you make a mistake, like that's a good thing, you know, you'll get to see what a woman does in the face of you making a mistake. So Mm. or or choosing something that she doesn't like, you know. But people don't often think that way. They think that they're gonna lose out, you know, they're gonna lose out on an opportunity. So that that's one. What's another example of that? Another example would be not calling out when someone does something that is just like inappropriate. And what I mean by that is, let's say you're on a date with someone and she's just like, you know, stonewalling, you know, she's stonewalling. Like that's usually a term used for men, but I have plenty of clients who have been on dates where the woman is kind of like non-responsive to her date. And they'll just, guys will like do this whole song and dance to try to kind of lighten her up and change her mood. And and it's like, it, that's not your responsibility. Like it's actually your responsibility to have a great fucking time on the date. Mm. <laughs> and so, you know, they won't trust their instinct to call something out because they think they're going to be an asshole to to speak directly to the thing that this person is doing that is not really appropriate, right? Or at least finding out if something is wrong, like, are they okay? Do they want to reschedule the date? Like at its best, like maybe there's something going on in her world, but it's not your job to fix it. It's not your job to, you know, kind of grit and bear you know, it's not your job to, um, make her feel better. So those are kinds of the kinds of things that I see guys, to- I said, uh, uh, the best word I can use is tolerating, you know, mm-hmm. and then going back and thinking that they need to do something different, which is, it's a really deep well, like they're going to get lost in this well if they keep, coming back from every date that didn't go well trying to figure out what they did wrong you know because then they're going to be like shimmying around their personality and trying to like cram themselves into a version of of themselves that's like this small you know like that doesn't it doesn't work there there has to be some accountability with this with the person that's sitting in front of you
0: this is very, very, very true stuff. All stuff that I had to learn the long, hard way um, <laughs> as a guy, you know. But not easy. No, and, and definitely something I want to ask you about now because the guy's doing all this people-pleasing stuff. Where do you want to go? How was your day? Blah, blah, blah. And sometimes he can actually get validation for this. You know, he gets what appears to be a pleasurable response, mm. not realizing, of course, that, a real relationship is going to have emotional highs and lows, not just nothing but pleasure. But what he doesn't know is what's really going on inside the girl's head. And like one of the most common complaints a guy gets is this girl just goes cold on her ghosting or whatever. This girl just sort of loses interest. And even in relationships, suddenly the girl just, it's like her her feelings for him just die overnight. And they just have no idea because they haven't seen the buildup. Tell me, as a woman on the receiving end of these behaviors, you know, like when you get that guy sending you a list of options, what's your reaction to that behavior?
1: Um, I lose interest. Wow. I mean, I don't know. Okay. this I'm going to reveal something about myself, but I uh, talk the guy that I was talking about. I don't normally do this. I'm usually really good about, you know, tying things up in a neat little box for Mm -hmm. people, but he, we had a phone call. It was a great phone call. And then he, you know, sent me the list and I I didn't respond to him. I was just, I get exhausted by, by, I mean this is actually why I'm not doing the online dating thing. I've chosen to move away from the online dating thing and the last couple of experiences there's nothing wrong with online dating. I think it's amazing. But, uh, at this point in time, I don't have the energy for it. I just don't. And I'm not going to make excuses for that. And so, but this is a a great example of, of what makes me like completely lose energy. I just don't have the energy. Like I want to go back and forth a few times and then I want you to drive it to a date. And I, God, this is gonna, I'm gonna sound like such an asshole, but like, I don't need you to plan some ornate thing. Like maybe some women want that, but I think that people who are normal, who are serious about getting into a relationship, they really don't need the song and dance. They just, they just want to meet up. They want to know if there's a connection and then, and then move forward or not. You know, there's, There's something mechanical about it in the very beginning. And I think that that's okay. And yeah, I think
0: that. No, you've, that gives me a really big insight. This is actually something a little bit new for me. So as a guy being a people pleaser, I know this from vast personal experience. It's fucking exhausting. You're just constantly strategizing and controlling and, coming up with a thousand ideas on how to keep everyone happy all the time. So on every text takes like an hour of agony to write. And, you know, it's just exhausting. The idea that the person receiving it is exhausted by that. uh, It makes so much sense to the behaviors that you see from both people, you know, like the guy who gives up three months into the relationship and just plateaus because he's run out of steam or the girl who just suddenly loses interest. Out of nowhere because she's run out of steam. She can't be the leader anymore. She's had enough. And I think what you were hinting at also is this idea like, if she's had to do that a lot, a single text will just exhaust her. She'll go, oh, again, you know, and just sort of crash like another one of these ones. A lot of guys, all they get is nothing. They get radio silence and they have to make up reasons why this is happening. But this is huge. If they've been people pleasing, I think the first assumption they can make is actually you're wearing her out with this. Yeah. You know, she just doesn't even have the energy to respond anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause uh, I think right now and you know, what's happening in dating, it's so, mm, uh, attention spans are already really, really low, you know? And I have noticed that even with all the self-development work that I've done, I have less of a tolerance for things in my thirties. I'm 32 than I ever did in my twenties. You know, like I would tolerate way more before. And I don't think that that's a bad thing that I have a lower tolerance, even though sometimes I wonder, (laughs) but But yeah, so everything is, the attention spans are lower, the tolerance is lower, like, you have to cut, I guess, cut through the noise is is the best way that I can put it, Mm. you know? And the only way, in my opinion, to cut through the noise is to just be fucking real, you know, just be as straight and real as possible. And while it is riskier, um, you're going to weed out the people that are not serious, you know? And I say this because I know when I'm in a funky mood and I'm doing weird shit in my dating life, which I do do, then the people who are doing that cutting through the noise thing and I'm not available or there's something going on with me, like they're quickly eliminating me from, from, you know, from their life, which is a good thing. You know, it's a good thing for them because it's not their responsibility to figure out what the fuck is going on with me. That's my responsibility.
0: Wow. I hope people are hearing this, you know, um, (laughs) it's, you know, it's interesting when I was all strategy and stuff, like, especially when I first got into all that pickup stuff and I was just constantly strategizing about every move that I made, uh, you know, my success rates were really low. There was a lot of drop off, a lot of not calling me back or not showing up or whatever, and then when I finally, and I, I did a very quick transition to like, fuck this, I'm just going to be real with everyone let the chips fall where they may. Uh, it was almost effortless. You know, I would just, I didn't, I didn't feel that sense of trying anymore. If anything, I was just playing like, okay, let's see if I can get away with texting this or let's see if I can go say this to that girl at the coffee shop or whatever. And the responses I, you know, uh, what I wanted to ask you actually was...
1: Uh-huh
0: given that you're single and dating, do you ever get, like you're working with guys and you're turning them, turning them, that's not the right word. You're helping them find the kind of, that masculinity that will make them so attractive and make them such great partners. And then, when you go out and date, they're so rare to find those guys. You know, I don't know, is there any sort of like, almost like frustration, like you're creating these guys for other women and then when you go out and dating and you see the, Kind of just pool of passivity that's out there i don't know it sounds like that would be frustrating
1: <sighs> hmm. sometimes yes yeah i i try not to live in the world of frustration for too long sure. but i'm a i'm a big believer that and i don't recommend this for everyone but because i help people systematically find people But I do think that I will kind of, my person will, will come, will surface whenever, whenever it's time. And, and I say this because I'm someone who is like a lovesick puppy, like for like a lifelong lovesick puppy. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, uh, it's good for someone like me to turn that off, you know, or, or really like kind of, push that energy into, into something else like my work, you know, I find that like my biggest struggle is not dating. Like it's, it's, it's more in the realm of my, my work life. So I'm not really directly answering your question, but <laughs> frustration. Yeah. I, 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 am frustrated with the, the passivity, I suppose. Good question what is my, my feeling about it I have done the online dating thing for years and I'm trying something new in my own life which is meeting people organically through mm-hmm. social networks and, and that kind of thing and I've just recently started doing that and so I'm not expecting anything to kind of I'm neutral that's all I have to say. <laughs> That was, a, <laughs> that was a very
0: time. detailed neutral, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Look
1: I, I, don't. I Yeah. Yeah. I'm in an interesting space where I don't have like like a lot of I'm not like eager, you know, which is a good place for me to be in. Like me being eager to be in a relationship is not not a sexy place for me to be in like i just i just i just play it cool <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> what am i
0: saying <laughs> no, no, I, look i, I think I, i'm totally on board with it like yeah, you know, my my partner and i found each other right at this point where we just the eagerness was gone and we're like i'm just gonna live life now and we met each other organically through a hobby that we both love there was no, I wasn't doing anything for the sake of dating. I was only doing stuff for the sake of my own development and enjoyment of life. And I found consistently when people make that switch when they just go live life to enjoy life, the partner thing takes a lower priority. Like it's available, but you're not, it's never the reason you're anywhere. Then it, when you meet that person, it's, there's nothing in the way of the two of you meeting. There's nothing that's going to wreck that. So I think you're absolutely on board, but I was just thinking cause I, I help say, one of the things I help guys with is make friends with other guys and to do so in this natural, be real way. And then I'll go to a party or something and some guy will start talking to me and I just, I'm just i exhausted by him immediately. I'm like, oh, don't do the thing. Like I could straight away, you know, he's either showing off to me or he's being really like stonewalling and just hiding behind thousands of questions or something. I'm so like, oh, I wish I could meet some of the guys I coach in real life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I wish I could, mm. I could uh, reap the fruits sometimes. But it's just, oh, gotcha.
1: yeah. it
0: keeps me, keeps me motivated. You know, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of guys out there that need some help, and there's actually mm. behind this wall of questions that I'm getting from this dude is a real guy, and I've got to help guys get in touch with that because the world's kind of missing out on them. And it sounds like you're doing something very similar, which is, it's awesome. It's yeah. The world's in sore need of 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 me to just be more real, and and just drop all the bullshit. And uh, they're going to enjoy it more. Other people are going to enjoy them more. Everybody wins. Very excellent. Let's uh let's let's wrap it up there. I think um, yeah. we've we've got heaps we could talk about, but um let's close <laughs> it up today. Okay. And let's do you know let's uh come with the the standard issue. People who have heard what you've got to say, they want to know more about you, they want to get in touch with you, where do they go next?
1: Yeah, so um, a great place to connect with me is my Facebook page, and I, I can you, are you going to link to something? Yeah, I can
0: link it there, oh.
1: yeah. Okay, cool. So, so yeah, my Facebook page, I am a really big, um, I love one-to-one communication, so private message me, I will answer your questions, and I've actually moved away from the model of hiding behind my email list. I really love talking to people. I love answering their questions. And um, so my Facebook page, and you can also go through and read all my posts. Also, we can link to a, a, an application for um, an attraction alignment session with me. It's a 30 minute session where I will let you, I'll ask you some a series of questions and let you know exactly what's getting in the way of attracting the right person and what to do about it. So that's how you can reach me.
0: Excellent. And yeah, you know, there's there's some guys out there who who respond to, they can only listen to other men for some reason, you know, but mm. the, the, the benefit in working with you is not only are you doing all the good work and applying uh, all the right things in terms of coaching and helping someone become real, but you'll be able to do something that I can never do, which is you'll be able to accurately predict how the girls in their life are reacting. You know, you'll be able yeah. to share your personal experience and say, look, if this was me. This is probably how I'd feel. Whereas mine is always like, a, it's like um from a distance. I'm like, based on girls, what girls have told me, I think this is what they, you know, so you've got this like inside track thing, which uh, just be so incredibly helpful at the right time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, actually it's, it's, I'll just put this out there. You know, most of the time people come to me because I'm their target market and they're like, Oh, I'm attracted to this woman. You know, I know I'm an, an attractive woman and, and I want to hear what she has to say about this, you know? So, um, and it's interesting cause as a coach, you know, like I'm the face of my brand, you know, mm-hmm. but There's a, there's really a magical thing that happens when you can be in a kind of a therapeutic environment, a coaching, um, intimate relationship with someone of the opposite sex. It is a healing experience. You know, sometimes my clients will say, I've, I've never told another woman the things that I'm telling you. And it's a very difficult thing sometimes. Like it's a challenging thing for them to do. Um, but it's so powerful it's so powerful. And, uh, so yeah, in that way, it's, it's cool to to have that masculine feminine dynamic, um, with my clients. Yeah.
0: I can totally see that. You know, I've got a lot of, a lot of my clients are big fans of say Jordan Peterson, stuff like that. Um, and there's a, there's a real niche of guys who have a really dark painful history with women, maybe even borderline misogyny starting to occur because they've just been hurt by women so often sort of thing. And, they've only ever gone and got support from other men because they don't trust women and stuff. And the fact that they could work with you, not only on their relationships, but actually working with you would help heal that history to have finally a woman in their life that they feel is genuinely on their side and genuinely compassionate and genuinely understands them. It might break up the evidence of their past where of course the way they were only ever attracted a different type of woman into their life. Um, And I want to recognize you for that. I can get the sense of it coming through everything we talk about and what I reviewed before we got on the call is just a genuine love for me that you have, you mm. know, uh, and yeah. <laughs> I don't mean that in the romantic sense, but just that actual yeah. compassion for human beings. There, there are a lot of guys who will just to have a conversation with you would just be huge to just feel that and I can feel it in the way you speak and the way you view the world and mm. what you're trying to do. So that's just excellent. The more of that the better so thank you thank you so much for sharing and, and getting vulnerable with us and and revealing some of the the sort of secrets behind the scenes
1: yeah thanks for having me yeah this was great i love talking i love your questions you definitely ask questions that other people don't which is <laughs> awesome yeah i love d- diving deep <laughs> It's like what i live for in life so yeah. Thank Good. you for having me. This is awesome.
0: Excellent. Well, until next time. Okay. Cheers.